Arizona Sports, Sports. the local sports sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. Halfway home on this Monday afternoon, let's tell you everything that's going on in the world of sports. It's a little ditty we call the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo show. We start with the Phoenix Suns, for lack of a better term. They blew it yesterday against the Thunder. They had a 10-point lead with about 10 and a half minutes to go in the game. And the Thunder went on a crazy 18-2 run and just took that game right away from the Phoenix Suns. Some are pointing to the officials as part of the reason why Devin Booker's 46 wasn't enough for the Suns. Monty Williams wouldn't agree with that. We can't keep complaining about the officials when you know we look at all these teams that we're playing and we're giving up 36 free throws. We just got to be able to guard the ball with out slapping down and, and be okay with that. And so it's a tough loss because we felt like we had control of the game. Right now the Suns are sitting fourth in the West at 38 and 33, a half game ahead of the LA Clippers, Gambo. Yeah, they did have control of the game. It was a hundred to ninety, ten point lead early fourth quarter before that eighteen to two run. And then uh Oklahoma City was able to make big plays at the end of the game and and the Suns weren't. You know, Chris Paul had a big miss with fifty one seconds left. That has nothing to do with being fouled. Ish Wainwright missed a three-point shot that would have brought it to within one with 21.5 seconds left. That has nothing to do with being fouled. You know, there was a a, a turnover by Torrey Craig uh, on an offensive foul. I mean, that was him. It was a turnover. Like, no excuses there. That was just plays that weren't made. If you're looking for games that matter tonight in the NBA, because the Suns don't play until Wednesday when they take on the Lakers, the Warriors are at the Rockets, the Mavericks are at the Grizzlies, the Kings are at the Utah Jazz. Those are teams either in front of or right behind the Phoenix Suns in the standings. Everything is bunched up real tight, though. Gambo and I both agree. The Suns sitting at four, trying to get to two or three, seems like a lost cause at this point. You know, I will say at this point, I'm going to change my thinking. Um, You know, a week ago or 10 days ago, I would have said you want Dallas to beat Memphis. Now I don't. You want Memphis to beat Dallas. To push Dallas back You're a little not, further to give to yourself make sure a that little Dallas more room. To yeah. make sure Dallas doesn't pass you for fourth. Yeah. Yeah, because right now they're two games back in the loss column from yeah. you. They're six. Yeah, you don't want. You're not catching Memphis. You don't want Dallas to catch you. So I think you want you want Memphis to win that game, and you concede that you're not going to catch Memphis, and you just you want to make sure that Dallas and Golden State and the Clippers don't catch you. Sham Sharani, an update on the status of Kevin Durant. You might want to hear this one. I would expect more evaluations later this week. I think there will be potentially an update later this week and early next week when they reevaluate him. And definitely, there's optimism within the. Suns that they're going to be cautious, uh, but they are hopeful that he's going to be back in lineup before the end of March, potentially early April. The end of March would leave them with five games left. If it's 10 days, that would leave them with six days left. There's a back-to-back in there, so we probably wouldn't play all of those games. It still kind of fits up with the original timeline we were given, but we're getting closer, Gambo, and boy, do they need him back, right? Yeah, it's we've always, we and you both said this, like, what happens now doesn't matter so much. I'm not going to get too high or too low. I'm not going to be like, the Suns have no chance of winning a championship now. We've seen them play. They lost to Oklahoma City. They can't. 
None of that matters. When Kevin Durant comes back, it changes the whole dynamic of the Phoenix Suns. They're a completely different team. Completely different team. Capable of beating anybody on any given day once Kevin Durant is back. So you take your lumps here, and they are. They're taking their lumps. And when he comes back, you hope that he's healthy enough to lead them further down the road. The Arizona Cardinals reportedly making a free agent signing today, bringing in wide receiver Zach Paschal on a two-year deal. Who? Zach Paschal, wide receiver? No? You're not ringing a bell? Pascal and the Cardinals, they're reuniting Jonathan Gannon with Pascal. They spent time together with the Colts and last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. 15 catches on 19 targets for 150 yards last year yeah. with Philly. He had a decent year in 2020 with the Colts, but needless to say, this is not a high-profile signing for the Cardinals. No, there's a guy, fourth or fifth wide receiver on your roster, slot guy, um, good blocker, but, but a slot guy, not not much of a not a guy that's going to be a big impact player for you, but just a guy. Again, you, you do bring in, you do want to bring in guys you're familiar with. You want to bring in, bring in guys that you know that work hard, that play hard. This guy goes hard all the time from what everybody says, so it makes sense to bring in some of those guys. We're just under two weeks away from the season opener for the Diamondbacks. They'll be on the road in Los Angeles taking on the Dodgers. Roster moves are starting to be made as the roster is getting whittled down. That includes Seth Beer getting sent down to AAA. That includes Brandon Fott getting sent down as well. Today they optioned lefty pitcher Tommy Henry to AAA, which means Dre Jameson and Ryan Nelson are the only guys on the roster right now that we thought those young pitchers that could compete for a fifth spot. They're the only ones left on the roster as Troy Lovello and the crew enters the home stretch. Then this happened today. According to AZ Central's Nick Pecoro, Carson Kelly was hit by a pitch on the right forearm and exited the game. According to Nick's Twitter account, he said he was still in a considerable amount of pain and that his level of concern was not minimal. We won't know the extent of the injury until he undergoes imaging, Gambo. Oh, that's not good. Now, they uh, they felt like they dodged a bullet with Marino, the other catcher, too. Yes. He had so, got hit in the hand with a pitch, and they were worried that he might have broke something in his hand, but they don't feel like he's needed x-rays, so it seems like they did dodge a bullet with Gabriel Moreno on that one. So that's something to yeah. keep an eye on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Carson, you know, Carson Kelly is, you know, those two guys, are, you know, they're going to be the, the workhorses because, again, you don't have a catcher that goes, you know, 152 games, 160 games anymore like the old days. Right. You know, you need two catchers, and these are the two guys. Speaking of the Diamondbacks, it looks like, though nothing definitive has been announced, that Merrill Kelly is going to be the starter for Team USA as they'll defend their title in tomorrow's WBC championship game. Team USA beat Cuba last night. They'll play the winner of today's Mexico-Japan matchup from Miami, and Merrill Kelly might get the start in that game, Gambo. Yeah, I mean, look, Merrill enjoys this stuff. He's been really good, but it would it, this World Baseball classic. It's amazing how it, it means so much to all these other countries. Not so much us, but uh, man, I remember we were down at the Suns Arena you know, last week for a game and the, 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 the World Baseball Classic was going on and the fans of Mexico, 47,000 in the stadium for the game and they love they love watching their, their teams play. Yeah, although I'll tell you, I watched a lot of that game yesterday against Cuba. It meant a lot to those players, those U.S. Yeah, players. Yeah, I think it does. Paul I Goldschmidt does. had a big day. Trey Turner was all kinds of fired up. Um, it, it it meant something to them, you know, for yeah. sure. I don't know if it means as much to them as it does to players from other countries, but it certainly means something to them. NCAA basketball, ASU lost to TCU on Friday nights, the same day that GCU lost to Gonzaga. No more teams from State 48 are in the tournament, Gambo. So here's what we've got. 
We got among the top seeds, Alabama and Houston remain. Among the two seeds, we still have Texas and UCLA. Among the three seeds, we still have San Diego State, Tennessee, and Xavier and Gonzaga out there. Uh, the Cinderellas that are still dancing, none bigger than Princeton. A 15 seed, they advance. They'll play six-seeded Creighton coming out of the South. Yeah, I think everybody's looking forward to that matchup between Gonzaga and UCLA in the West to see who's going to get to the uh, the Elite Eight. That will be a big one right there. That's a huge game. But yeah, massive upsets in this tournament. I mean, first time since they you know expanded the field that you've got two number one seeds that didn't you know that didn't advance at least to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, and I misspoke. San Diego State's a five seed, not a three seed. But yes, plenty of upsets, plenty of chalk still as the tournament resumes on Thursday. More college basketball news. Rick Pitino, no surprise, jumping from Iona to St. John's. Apparently he's going to get a six-year deal. Former St. John's coach Mike Anderson is going to file an arbitration lawsuit against the school after he was terminated for cause. He's saying he should be owed his $11 million if he had not been fired. Yeah, Rick Pitino was a young coach at Providence, Billy Donovan, and St. John's was on top of the world with Louis Karnasek as a coach. They had Chris Mullen, they had Walter Berry, they had Bill Wennington, they had Mark Jackson. So Patino was a very, very young coach in the conference when St. John's was in its heyday. And he's going to be uh, tasked with trying to get St. John's back to what they we used to be, where they used to get all the top New York kids to come play for them. And they used to have some teams that were very capable of winning the Big East. All right, news out of the NFL. Gambo's going to love this. Roger Goodell and the NFL owners are expected to finalize a multi-year contract extension for the commissioner at next week's owner's meeting in Phoenix. I told you you were going to love this, Gambo. I told you you were. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, they're, they're happy with the way a lot of things are running right now, so they're all making a lot of money. Yeah. A 2020 New York Times report revealed Roger Goodell reportedly has made are you ready for this? No. $500 million since becoming commissioner in 2006. He has made a half billion dollars as the commissioner of the NFL since 2006. That? God, that's crazy. Then around the NFL, two teams that might not be in the market for DeAndre Hopkins anymore. The Cowboys made a trade over the weekend, getting Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks. They gave up a fifth year this year, a sixth-round pick next year. And then Adam Thielen headed to the Carolina Panthers on a three-year deal. Those are two teams that we might now rule out for DeAndre Hopkins when it comes to yeah, the Yeah, absolutely. You know, Thielen, Thielen, three years, $25 million, $10 million in the first First year in the deal, still pretty good, but 32 years old. Number two receiver he was behind Justin Jefferson, but you know he'll be the most experienced wide receiver on the Panthers, so that's a pretty good spot for him to go to. And you know, obviously the Cowboys were looking for for a wide receiver. I would imagine that that takes him out of DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, but we're still looking at maybe Mac, Mac, you know, DeAndre Hopkins following Mac Jones, and maybe that could lead to the Patriots getting him. Not, we don't know for sure, but we're keeping our eye on it. Yeah, he followed him on Instagram. Apparently, that's what's got people wondering about that. But when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we circle back to the Phoenix Suns. An absolute collapse yesterday against Oklahoma City. And now we're starting to look at the standings and wonder what's going to happen to the Phoenix Suns in the West. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. At the point of season where 
every game counts. Um, you know, so you just want to get as many wins as you, as you can. And, yeah, Dwayne Rankin from AZ Central providing that audio. A little tough to hear in the locker room there. Every game counts now. We let one slip. That was Devin Booker talking after yesterday's game against Oklahoma City, a game in which, if we're just being honest, the Suns were in control for what felt like 80 to 85% of that game, where maybe it wasn't a comfortable lead that whole time, but they had the lead, it felt like, the whole time. And every time the Thunder would inch close, the Suns would pull ahead by 10 or 11. But that stretch in the fourth quarter fueled by some of the sloppiest basketball you're going to see out of the Phoenix Suns. It was just a mess in the fourth quarter of that game. Live ball turnovers leading to runouts and baskets for Oklahoma City. An 18-2 run. And the Suns, a game that looked like it was going to be a nice, solid road win for them without Kevin Durant instead turned into another series of more questions about the state of the Phoenix Suns right now, Gambo. Yeah, I mean, and the question, you know, the question right now that we have is not whether they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's a question. I think they're going to. It's just can, you know, where, where are they going to end up? They're not yes. going to move up. They're not. They're not going to move up. Um, the question is, will they? Will they move down? Can they hold on to four? Will they slip to five? Will they go to six? And and your biggest fear is, can they end up in a play-in tournament? I mean, that is definitely, you know, a major concern, um, you know, for them. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, they're going to win some games because they. They're not going to lose all the games they play. But what they are, this is what they are. This roster, the way it is right now with no Kevin Durant, this is a, a this is an average to below average basketball team. Okay, it's it's not a team that's going to win 50 games. If you had this team and you said, hey, we're going to play 82 games with this roster, you're probably talking about a team that goes like 40 and 42. Okay, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a team that's about a 500 basketball team. Mm-hmm. This roster, the way it's constructed right now, it just doesn't have enough. Doesn't have enough to be competitive on a regular basis. Now you add Kevin Durant to the mix, and it changes everything. Of course, oh, of course. It, it, I mean, look, we've you've been saying it about the Suns for years under James Jones that his his goal, his model in building a team was always about players four through eleven. Right? It was always about depth and wave after wave of guy who can beat you, and and you're fifth best player, sixth best player is going to be better than your fifth or sixth best player. And that's kind of what James, well, he changed that philosophy on the fly with the Kevin Durant trade. And you're really starting to see it now with how they're playing. And it was especially evident yesterday. Look, DeAndre Ayton is not perfect. He 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 has his moments, good and bad. Sometimes we come in here and we can't believe the things that he's done, both in a positive way and in a negative way. You take a top-heavy team, our team that is built around our four best guys are better than your four best guys. And you play a game where two of those four aren't playing, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. Now, that being said, they still should have won yesterday's game. They still should have controlled that game. But because player six wasn't very good and because player seven wasn't very good and because Monty was desperately searching for any kind of combination out there that could work for him, they lost that game because they were just a sloppy mess in the fourth quarter their depth was not nearly good enough yesterday you know there's there's a there's a, there's a similar example to to what's happening to the phoenix suns and that's last year's warriors steph curry kind of got hurt at the end of the season march uh 16th he got hurt against boston they proceeded to lose. Steph barely played in that game. They lost their next two, then they won one, then they lost four in a row. They lost seven out of eight basketball games in March. The Golden State Warriors did. Mm-hmm. Seven out of eight. They didn't have 
they didn't have Steph Curry for for those games. Came back and won some games at the end of the season without him. But in this time frame we're in right now, from March 16th, to March 30th, they lost seven out of eight basketball games, the Golden State Warriors. Yep. They didn't have Steph Curry. Steph Curry went out March 16th, didn't play in those games. Kevin Durant goes out. What happens? Steph Curry comes back for the playoffs, and the Golden State Warriors go on and win the NBA championship. It's a very similar example. I mean, a star player, Kevin Durant, a star player, Steph Curry, missing you know valuable time at the end of the season when you're not right. The team struggles. They lose a lot of basketball games, but the sky's not falling. The Warriors knew, okay, we're losing these games. Once we get Steph back, we'll be okay. They, they, they get a favorable first-round matchup against Denver, and they knock them out in five games. Steph comes back, 22 minutes the first game, 23 the second. Then, okay, now he's back, 31, 37, 38. Next round against Memphis, they take care of Memphis in six games. Then they take care of Dallas in five games, and then they win the NBA Finals. Steph's playing 41 minutes, 40, 41 minutes in two of those games. So I just if you're looking for something similar, like the sky's falling, look, look, look at the Warriors last year. Yeah. Panic when Steph, Steph went out for the rest of the regular season. No, they didn't, uh, and it's in some ways it's the opposite of what happened with the Suns last year. Suns cruised to 64 wins. They were hardly challenged at all during the season. Their depth was extraordinary. Devin Booker was extraordinary. Chris Paul was really good, all-NBA third team, et cetera, et cetera. They were great, and at the end, when it mattered the most, they weren't there. I, I don't, for as frustrating as yesterday was, and it was frustrating, it was frustrating to watch Monty struggle with rotation. It was struggle. It was, it was not fun watching the foul trouble. It was not fun watching Devin Booker once again dominate a basketball game. I mean, at, I mean, he dominated that game yesterday. 46 points. He only took 28 shots to get there. He's shooting 57% in the month of March. He scored 9 of their last 11 points when he was out there to try to will them back into that thing and it wasn't enough. It's frustrating to watch Devin Booker because we spent 5 years of watching Devin Booker try to put this team on his shoulders and it just wasn't enough and it, it feels like we're watching the same thing again. But what makes it especially frustrating is knowing that two weeks from now, this is not going to be the version of the Suns that are out there. This is not going to be the team that we're seeing out there because they're going to have Kevin Durant back, and it's going to change everything. You just have to survive the next two weeks without him. It's just getting tough to do that right now. Yeah, when Steph went out, Kerr was up. It was Marcus Smart dove at Steph's knee. Uh, Kerr said he thought it was a dangerous play. He was upset about it. Um, But Marcus Smart kind of lunged at Curry. Curry went down. Foot injury. Middle of March. Misses the rest of the regular season. Warriors struggle. Winning basketball games without him. Then they get to the playoffs. They get him back and they win. As long as Kevin Durant comes back, they're still going to believe that the Suns are going to win. I don't know. And it's a fair question. I don't know. Is there anything with these losses and the way they're playing that make you think that Kevin Durant alone is not enough to get them over the hump this year? Because that's a fair question. It is a fair question. Nobody can know the answer for sure. I will take my chances with this team when Kevin Durant comes back and when DeAndre Ayton comes back. I will. I'll take my chances with this team because I think Kevin Durant's going to play 42 to 44 minutes a night. I think Devin Booker's going to play 42 to 44 minutes a night. I think Chris Paul, you're going to have to, I'm going to worry about him and his ability to be able to maintain 
team during the grind of the NBA playoffs. And of course, I'm going to worry about DeAndre Eaton because there's just always that inconsistent level of effort and energy from him every single night. I'm going to worry about that. But I think the, the team we're watching now is a far, far cry from the team we're going to be watching three weeks from now. You right. just got to get there. So nothing that you've seen in this losing four out of five without Durant in these last five games to make you go, oh, okay, yeah, no, nothing. even when Durant comes back, they're, they're not good enough. Nope, nothing. Okay, nothing. I agree. Nothing. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, nothing. And I, I, I'm, I, I know based off our conversations, you feel the same way about it. There, there's nothing that's shaken me on that one. You, you, you know, you want to look at the way they're playing. You're like, oh, my God, it doesn't matter. I mean, they could have that. They could have Magic Johnson and Larry Bird coming in their prime, and they're not going to do it. They're not good enough. They foul too much. They don't get to the free throw line. They don't shoot the three enough. You could you can find all these arguments. But, you know, man, insert Kevin Durant into the lineup. A lot of problems get fixed. No doubt about it. A lot it. of problems get fixed. Sex, us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line when it comes to the Suns at 620-620. Now, Gambo just mentioned something a second ago that's got our fixation when it comes to the Suns basketball team, and that's the refs and the foul calls. Is it time for the Suns to just let that go? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. 4.30 here on this Monday, busy Monday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, live from the Auction Community Studios. Gambo working from home, still a little under the weather. And Gambo, on behalf of everybody here at the station, we appreciate you working from yeah. home. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I was thinking about last segment, we were talking about how, you know, Kevin, you know, Kevin Durant and like Steph Curry missed all that time at the end of last year. He came back, he fixed a lot of things. So Kevin Durant's like that infomercial, you know, that flex tape? <laughs> Yes. Remember that? The flux today about that stuff. You put that thing on anything. Like you, could, you don't even need a roof. Just you could just like just tape that stuff up, and you've got a roof. Seriously, it, it, you, you just put that. You put that flex yeah. tape on anything, and, and there's a hole in my boat. Okay, put the flex tape on it. There's no more hole anymore. <laughs> there's a hole, you know, on my basketball team. Take some flex tape, and boom, you're fine. You're gonna saw this basketball team in half. <laughs> right, <laughs> Kevin Durant's like flex tape, man. He's like flex tape. You put a little, all of a sudden, you, you put the flex tape on the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant, and everything's fixed. Everything's fine. Fouls, no worries. <laughs> no worry about anything. Everything's taken care of. He's yeah. he's like that infomercial. Yeah, they just need to get their that guy that's back that's on a, the floor. Yeah. I mean, everybody's sinking. The world's ending, but flex tape will save you. He will. It, it might save yeah. this radio show for all I know. Let's find out uh, if we need any saving. It's our Twitter poll question of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Let's get an update. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. And talk about officiating, uh, Rubes, and this is this is not resonating with some of our some of our audience out there, is it now? Well, yeah, we, we've had a couple things put out there when it talks about officiating. One clip from you guys earlier in the show, you can find it at Burns and Gambo if you also want to get mad at us. And it's basically just you guys saying the, the complaining, it needs to stop from Devin Booker. It's almost an obsession at some point, and it's holding him back. Some people say, but he's getting fouled. It's like, yes, but that's missing the point. Uh Anyway, the point of our question for today is, are you worried about it once they reach the postseason? The Suns referee dynamic kind of led by Devin Booker. You can't slap flex tape on that. Are you worried? Yeah, I'm worried. And, and, and the main reason I'm worried isn't whether Devin Booker's complaining or not, or whether the, the I, I'm worried that the Suns stylistically play a type of basketball that does not lend itself to getting calls. 
They're a mid-range shooting team. They're not a particularly physical team. They're much more finesse, and even their big guy isn't really a physical big guy. I don't think their style lends itself to getting a lot of calls, and if they don't start cutting back on the number of fouls they're committing, Gamble, yeah, I'm concerned about the foul discrepancy in the postseason. I agree with listen, I agree with everything you just said. They're more, they are more of a, a jump shooting, mid-range, three, you know, don't shoot the three as much as other teams, but they're not a, I'm going to drive it to the basket type of team. I mean, even DeAndre Eaton, like you said, I mean, he settles for a lot of turnaround jumpers and floaters and jump shots, and it's not often where he's attacking the boards, and so, yeah, I don't think that the level of play that they, the style of play leads to them getting to the free throw line as much as they'd like to get there. What's our audience say, Rubes? Not surprisingly, a overwhelming majority, in fact, it's grown in the last two hours, 80.7% are worried about the Suns' continued problem with the officials when they reach the postseason. Only 19.3% say, nah, it's all good. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Here's Monty after the game, urging his team to not complain as much about the officials. Complaining about the officials when you know we look at all these teams that we're playing and we're giving up 36 free throws. You know we just got to be able to guard the ball without slapping down and, and be okay with that. And so it's a, it's a tough loss because uh, we felt like we had control of the game. There's two very distinct issues here, and they're kind of intertwined, Gambo. And it, one is that the Suns don't get enough calls when they have the ball, and number two, they're fouling too much on the other end. And in some ways, they're the same issue, and in some ways, they're two totally different issues. Monty is imploring his team not to foul the other team as much, especially in the act of shooting, because it's leading to that giant free-throw discrepancy that we're all very used to. But he's also talking about the Suns getting more calls on the other end, and that's where you and I... Look, again, I, I don't know if I could be more clear about this. Devin Booker is my favorite player in the NBA. I love Devin Booker. I love everything he's done for this team, this organization, this community. Sometimes his obsession with the calls that he doesn't get borders on too much. Where he's just like every single trip down the floor, it seems like he's got a problem with a call he did or didn't get. And whether he deserves to get those calls, that is only part of the point. At some point, it does more harm than good if you're going to continually obsess and bark at the referees about the calls you're not getting. And I just I would I think he needs to cool that off a little bit. I really do. Well, there was a play. I mean, that's a play last night where he's going ballistic on, like, I didn't foul Shea Gilgis Alexander. I'm like, all right, maybe challenge it, Monty, challenge it. Then they show the replay. I'm like, oh my God, he hammered him. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you hammered him. Like you got nothing but you got nothing but arms, like you know, I, like and you want that, like so. I do think that, and, and do you think was was is Monty basically saying that we complain to the refs too much? Yeah, let me play the cut again. Um, can't complain about officials when we keep fouling. Here's what he said: You can't keep complaining about the officials when you know we look at all these teams that we're playing and we're giving up 36 free throws. You know, we just got to be able to guard the ball without slapping down and, and be okay with that, and so. It's a, it's a tough loss because uh, we felt like we had control of the game. You got a thought on this? Because I actually had a new uh, thought that just popped into my no, head. My, my thought that was just like a week ago, he was railing on that's, the officials after the thought. Bucks game. That's exactly my thought. I had exactly like, the uh, same thought. What happened in a week? I yeah. mean, you'd be like, hey, listen, because a week ago, he was pissed. He was so yep. upset with the Bucks, and, you know, we only shot 50, 16 free throws. He's ridiculous. DA can't play. We felt dealt with this so many times, and mm-hmm. it's not fair. And he was just so mad at the officials. So, 
yeah. like, which one is it? No, no, and that, and that's exactly my thought is that is that maybe by saying and it wasn't just him. It was remember James was on with us last week and he said it's self evident the calls that we're not getting out there. There yeah. was a really loud vocal complaint section last week for the Phoenix Suns when it came to the officials, and I wonder if organizationally there's been a little of a shift internally. Like, okay, we had our say. We had our complaints. Now we need to back it off a little bit. Right now we need to stop because it's not helping us. And and I I can't say this enough. Devin Booker is the only reason why the Suns had a chance to win that basketball game yesterday. His 46 points were magnificent. There are just times, especially late in that game, where I thought every trip down, he he spent it looking for calls or trying to get calls or being upset that he didn't call. And at some point, you just have to play and not worry about it. I know it's easy for me to say that where I'm sitting, but at some point, I do think he obsesses about it too much. Chris, too, but not as much as Devin. I think Devin really leads the charge with that, and, and I don't know if that's helping him get calls out there. Well, I've had players tell me that Chris, uh, that's that's always been a detriment to Chris. He yells at the, the officials, hate him. They can't stand him because he complains about everything. He's always yelling at the officials, and you know, after a while, I think, you know, it's, you're not going to get the, the fit. There's plenty of 50-50 calls in this league, right? There's plenty of like calls could go either way and when you're a constant complainer which way do you think those calls are going to go sure you're a constant couple of 50 50 ball ball basically off of our fingertips to get we, we, come on they're gonna they're gonna give the benefit of the doubt to the team that doesn't complain as much that's what's gonna happen and, and look are there was part of yesterday's frustration that Shea Gilgis Alexander didn't have his first foul called on him until the fourth quarter? I'm sure. I'm sure that was the root but cause I mean, Lou of Dort the frustration. Was in foul trouble. He picked up his fifth. Lou Dort was their their main defensive player on Booker, and he was in foul trouble. And does it seem like Devin Booker is ten to picking up? Not even picking up fouls. He doesn't get as many calls as other quote unquote superstars in this league in general. Oh no, I got I, I got Lou Dort picking up his fifth foul with about four and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. He was the primary defender on 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 Book. You you gonna say they didn't call fouls on on Lou Dort? They called him for five fouls. I'm just I'm talking about in general Gambo. I'm not talking about yesterday's game specific. Okay. I, I'm just talking about in general. I feel like Devin Booker does not get as many calls as maybe other players like him probably should. But what's his main shot? His main shots are mid-range jump shots. Okay, Sometimes you take a lot of calls on mid-range And I totally shots. agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and I just, more than anything, I, I just, yesterday I saw on two occasions, maybe even three, where he didn't get a foul on one end as the offensive player. And then running back, you could see his frustration. And, and his frustration wasn't, he wasn't taking it out on a referee. He was like poking at the ball handler. He was poking at the ball, almost like he was trying to get a foul just to stop play. And, and I know he wasn't doing that. But you could just see how frustrated he was out there. And at some point, you just have. And I think Monty's plea is for all of them organizationally to just take a little bit of a step back from this obsession about the fouls because it's it's getting a little much. Something must have something must have come down. Like you guys got to stop. For Monty to go from one week ago complaining about the officials to hey, we got to stop complaining about the officials. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. When we come back, DeAndre Hopkins, still here, still a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Is he going to be a member of the Cardinals when week one comes around? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader.
Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, where seemingly over the weekend, the Cardinals' market for trading DeAndre Hopkins might have shrunk a little bit because the Dallas Cowboys, it would appear, just took themselves right out of the market. They made a trade for Brandon Cooks, the well-traveled wide receiver who has now been, I think, traded four times in his career. I believe I saw that number. Four times that he's been traded. Gambo, does that sound familiar to you? I'm, I'm, that he's been traded four times? I'm, I'm, I'm getting that well, high he... pitch in my voice because I'm, I'm questioning it. I'm not sure now about that. I, yeah. I, I think he's been... It is the fourth time he has been traded in his career. Well, right? He was a star player with the Saints. Yes. Where did the, then where did he go from the Saints? He got traded from Rams? the Saints to the Rams, from the Rams to the... Patri- the Patriots to the Rams, the Rams to the... Okay, so the so the Patriots were between the Rams and the... <laughs> Alright, then I, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. He was a part of two teams in back-to-back Super Bowls, but neither of those teams won. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, he's, the guy's been everywhere. He's like Johnny Cash. He's been everywhere, man. He's been everywhere. Or like Roy Kent. Or, that too. The, like Roy Kent. The fourth time he's been traded in his career. Texans, Rams, Patriots, Saints, now Dallas Cowboys. The, the kicker here is what the Cowboys gave up to get him and what the Cowboys did to get him. They gave up a fifth rounder this year, a sixth rounder next year, and Cooks also agreed to restructure his salary so that Houston will pay $6 million of his salary and Dallas will pay the remaining $12 million. Add it all up, and for a team that you and I and others had speculated would be a natural landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins, I can't help but to think that the Cardinals are, A, asking too much on the trade market, and B, DeAndre Hopkins wants too much in the financial market, and Dallas decided to pivot and do something completely different and get Brandon Cooks. Yeah, it's, it is. It, it does take a, a team that you expected that would be in on DeAndre Hopkins out of the equation. There's got to be something um, like DeAndre Hopkins being available is you would think that there'd be five, six, seven teams that would want to jump in on that. You would think. And be a part of it. He's still, he's the best receiver. Brandon Cooks is good. He's not as good as DeAndre Hopkins. Adam Thielen is good. He's 32 years old. He's not the same player he used to be. He's not as good as DeAndre Hopkins. Now, the Hopkins, I mean, it could come with the, you know, what you've got to give up to get him. I mean, again, like, so if you're, if you're, if you're a team, I could have Brandon Cooks, and they're going to pay part of the salary, and I've only got to give up a fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick, or I've got to take on all of Hopkins' salary, give him a new deal that extends him a couple of years, and i got to give up a second-round pick to get him. I mean, some teams are going to look at that and say, look, I don't care how much better he is. That's just I, I can make my team a lot better with the money I save by going after Cooks instead of Hopkins and by keeping my draft pick. Yeah, and it's not to say that it's just the Cardinals that are asking too much. It could very well be that part of this is that DeAndre Hopkins is asking too much. He's, to your point, he's due $19 million in salary this year. His cap hit is $31 million. Now, presumably, to your point, you restructure his deal and you give him a new deal and the cap hit goes down a little bit. But I imagine there are demands, both from the Cardinals' standpoint and from DeHop's standpoint, that might be making this problematic for all sides involved. No. And, the, and the Cowboys now rolling out a wide receiving core that's got Michael Gallup will be back and C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks. They must not feel like they have to get DeAndre Hopkins to go for it because this totally takes them out of it. Here's former NFL executive Mike Lombardi. Arizona hasn't been fielding many offers for Hopkins since putting his name on the market. I think his market is really soft. Lombardi said on uh, Set Up Hopkins on his GM Shuffle podcast. 
I don't think anybody wants to get into the Hopkins business and then have to redo his contract. Hmm. So Lombardi, they say a confident Bill Belichick, who assisted him on the staff for a few years. Um, from what I'm told, it's soft. There's not a lot of action out there on him. He's a good player. He's always covered, but he always comes up with the football. But there are other things that go into this that I'm not at liberty to discuss that's probably holding it all back. Interesting. Very, very yeah, interesting. They, Mitch could try to look that up. I don't know if, you know, but at some point today or tomorrow, the GM Shuffle podcast. Okay. With, um, well, with Mike, Mike Lombardi. Lombardi. Yeah. Okay. GM um, Shuffle podcast. And it's not just the Cowboys with Cooks. Um, Adam Thielen today, three year deal with the Carolina Panthers. Some had speculated that might be a landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins. Some have and continue to speculate on the New England Patriots as a landing spot. They got Juju Smith Schuster. Um, there was a, a, a really good friend of mine. His name is Scott. He sent me a text today with a story about how apparently DeAndre Hopkins at some point last week started following Mac Jones on Instagram and people are wondering is that like a sign that he might be going to New England remember last week on Pat McAfee's show they had J.J. Watt DeAndre Hopkins former teammate with the Cardinals and with the Texans on and they even asked him if Hop thinks he can win in New England even if that means being coached by Bill O'Brien who's the new OC there I think if Hop thinks he can win there I think he would go like I think he is at a point in his career where he wants to have the ability to win and so I, I think it more comes down to if he believes that that's a place where he does have a chance to go and win I don't think I don't think the relationship if he believes that's a place where I can win I don't think that relationship would stop him from going wherever he ends up going though Gambo it does kind of beg the question is he going to end up going anywhere I mean, is if the Cardinals are so underwhelmed by the quote unquote soft market for him, are the Cardinals going to take a deal that is far below whatever standards they've set for a trade? How bad that I want to get off the money. I, that's that, that is the question. I, I, if, it, if it's about what's 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 the most important thing here? If it's about we you know we need to get off this money and he's not worth the second rounder, then you'll you'll take less. You'll just deal with that. That's the market value for him. I can't get a second rounder, but we got to get off of this contract. No weapons or buts about it. Yeah. Now, the other thing you could look at is you could say, okay, I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to keep him, and I'm going to see if you know some wide receiver goes down. I try to trade him at the deadline, but you know you risk the fact that, that he gets injured, and then you're on the hook for all that money. So, And then you still have to try to restructure the deal because you don't want to go in with – I mean, listen – I mean, could it be that, you know, part of the reason, and look, they've got all this cap space right now, and but right, 20-something million, I think yeah, they so have? It was, yeah, it was like 22 million, 23 right. million, yeah. But you got to remember, with that's, in, that's accounting for the fact that Hopkins is on this year's team. No doubt. Yeah. That's not even like taking him off the team. That money they have, it's not like they have to get rid of Hopkins to have that money to spend. They already have it with Hopkins on the roster. All right, one other note from the Cardinals. Um, not In addition to Zach Paschal being signed to a two-year contract, we talked about that earlier. It was reported this morning the team has agreed to terms with the former Colts and former Eagles wide receiver. Something else happens today, too, and it just came down. The Cardinals just announced that they have reached an agreement with quarterback David Blau on a one-year contract. And I wonder if he is now the answer to the question we've been asking for the last week. Is David Blau... 
Did the Cardinals just announce their intentions to say, okay, that's our quarterback? That's Really? The guy's played in nine games I, I, in four I, years. I know, I know, but wow. all of the other guys basically are gone outside of Carson Wentz and Teddy Bridgewater. I think there's one other that's still kind of out there. Uh, I saw Joshua Dobbs today just signed a one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. I, I, I wonder if the Cardinals, by re-signing Blau, have said, yep, he's our third-string guy. We're comfortable with that. They re-signed him to a one-year deal today. Just announced it. I mean, I thought that I, I thought for sure that they would have addressed with with Kyler injured and, and, and Colts uncertainty that they would have tried to bring somebody else in um, to you know to handle the quarterback duties for a little while. But um, I'll tell you this: David Blau's coming really cheap. Not cost you a lot of money. Nope, no, he's not. So he's not going to cost you a lot of money to have on this roster. Um, I continue to worry about the finances that this organization spends. I continue to worry about it. I think it is a major issue. I've reported this all last year, that they don't spend money the way other teams do, right? I mean, uh, the the Bears GM um, that they were trying to go after to make him the GM, Ian Cunningham, um, you know, he was like their first tro- choice, but they, the compensation was an issue there, right? So they didn't get him. So they went with Monty Austin for it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, we, we should be worried about that. I mean, we should be worried about the, the money that this team is willing to spend you know, not cap money, but cash money and what it takes to, to build a winning roster. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field for a one-night-only show. That's a good on show. Discovery. That's a really good show. Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks. I can't wait to see them because I will be seeing those two. Wait. I can't wait. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Am I eligible? Are you eligible to win? Yeah. No, but you're eligible to buy. Okay. <laughs> you, of anybody, are eligible to buy. You, 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 you can buy. You Man, can definitely you know, buy. Yes. You know how much money I dropped on Morgan Wallen? Well, you can. You've got it. Spend it. Has this NFL draft become Will Anderson or bust for the Arizona Cardinals? We'll talk about that coming up. Burns and Gambo.